morning, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 26. Isaiah, chapter 26. This morning, I want you to focus on verse number 3 of this great chapter. Verse 3, Isaiah, chapter 26. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Having just celebrated the resurrection of our dear Savior, I can't help but wonder how it is that the world doubts what God declares. Seeing such a vivid reminder of God's power, seeing the documentation, all of the evidence that Christ indeed was risen from the dead, and yet the world doubts what God has said. Among the many things that the world is doubtful of, I think, is God's promise of peace. There are those people that tend to doubt things that they deem to be just too good to be true, they might say, and uh, peace is on that list of things that they imagine to be too good to be true. Living in this troubled world, they've come to the conclusion that peace, real peace, lasting peace is something that is impossible, and for someone to even suggest the possibility of peace that brings a sneer to the face of uh, those that are doubters. And so uh, we're living in a time where a lot of folks are convinced in their heart that we just must be miserable. That's why they feel doomed to despair. They're swallowed up with their sorrows. And in their mind, they think that uh, anybody that believes otherwise might, must be out of their mind. And... Uh, they simply cannot bring themselves to believe what we believers know to be a fact, and that is that peace is indeed possible. Uh, you know, they see our faith as an heir in judgment, as an expression of folly and an evidence of our foolishness. And if we're going to ever convince them they need more than a declaration from our lips. They need a demonstration in our life. They've got to see that peace really does exist in our heart before we'll ever be able to convince them that it's possible for them. And seeing that, seeing the testimony of a believer that is going through difficult times, and seeing them with an attitude of peace in their heart makes an impression on them, and it gives us a wonderful opportunity to tell them about our Savior who can do that which indeed is impossible. But the question is, how is it with you? How is it with you? The world is full of doubters. And even among believers, there are many who are unbelievers when it comes to thinking about the possibility of peace. And I think if the truth is really known, most of us don't qualify as a poster child for peace. So the question is, are our critics right? Is peace really possible? Well, since the Bible says yes, that's your answer. That's the answer. The Bible says it is possible. 
The Lord has promised that we can enjoy peace even in time of tribulation. So we must then be convinced that it is possible and we must do whatever is necessary to get peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not the kind that the world gives, but my peace. And you think about all of the great trials that he went through even before his death on the cross, the difficulties that he faced, the criticism that he encountered. And in all of that, you never see our Lord in a state of panic. He was always at peace in his heart. So without peace, we're going to miss out on the great blessings that God has for us and no amount of fortune and fame could ever satisfy the person that doesn't have peace because all of the things that the world values the most are all worthless if we don't have peace. What difference does it make how much money you have in the bank? What difference does it make? You know, if you're famous, it makes no difference at all if you don't have peace. Charles Spurgeon made a statement many years ago. He said, peace is a jewel of so rare a price that he only hath valued it aright who has sold all that he hath to buy it. That ought to describe the attitude of each and every one of us. To have that desire for the peace that God has promised. Back during the Civil War, someone during the midst of a battle, they asked Stonewall Jackson how it was that he could uh, be so calm with the bullets whirling all around him in danger constantly. And he answered, My religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in a battle as in bed. God has fixed the time of my death. I do not concern myself about that, but to be always ready. And then he paused for a moment and he added these words. He said, that is the way all men should live, and then all would be equally brave. Well, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think what he said was true, and that we ought to feel as safe in bed as we do on a battlefield. Again, the world would say, well, that is impossible due to the circumstances, due to the fact that we are but flesh and that we are weak and we surely can't be expected to cope with danger such as that. And yet, the Lord said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. So whenever I think about all of that, I, I can't help but wonder are we missing something today? And I'm forced to conclude that, yes, most people are. Most people are missing something that they desperately need because were they truly at peace, there would be a great difference in their life. They'd be much better. They'd be much happier. There'd be a transformation of their life if they only had peace. So, can you imagine how we, how we profit from possessing this peace that God has promised? It causes our fears to shrink. 
It causes our courage to rise at the same time. It causes our doubts to diminish and our energy level to, to soar because the power that peace brings to our life is absolutely amazing. It can, it can make a poor man rich. It can cause someone going through great suffering to even rejoice. And so the, the, the peace that God has promised is so very incredible that Paul said, it passeth all understanding. How in the world can you explain something that has such great power, something that is so awesome uh, as peace? We can't measure its value. We can't explain its power. We can't exhaust everything that could be said about it. The great songwriter of years ago, P.P. Bliss, said concerning our text, he said, I love this verse more than any other verse in the Bible. Well, I can't say that I love it more than any other verse in the Bible, but I can certainly see why someone might. Someone that has gone through great difficulty, someone that has struggled throughout their life, and all of a sudden to realize that they have not claimed a promise that God has provided, and that promise is peace. And P.P. Bliss finally found that peace, and that's why he was so in love with this wonderful promise. And before we look at it, I want to remind you of something that's very important. And in fact, tonight, I hope you'll be here or that you'll tune in because we're going to play off of this and tonight we're going to enlarge upon this very thing. And so I hope you'll be here uh, to join with us. But there's something very important that we must always keep in mind when we study God's Word. Not just this morning, but every time we open the Bible. And that is that we have to always consider the text in light of the context. And when we do that, we find here in this chapter, back in verse 1, it tells us this is a song of praise. It's a, it's a song of praise for that fruit, those blessings that they expected by their faith in God. And in those first six verses, we see a contrast here between two cities. It starts with a, with a prophecy that's related to the kingdom that is to come. And then it proceeds to, to picture the present situation that they were in. And, and this is the point. It was with an eye on the future that they, that they reviewed their present problems. They needed to do that because seemingly at that time of which he speaks, they had, uh, they had lost all their earthly goods. We're talking about a nation that is shipped off into exile, separated from their loved ones, subject to hard labor, cruel suffering, ridicule and scorn by their enemies. Now that's, that's the situation that Israel was in. The Assyrians in 722 had conquered the ten northern tribes and now we find the other, the two southern tribes, Judah, is under threat. And so they seem to be in a hopeless situation. And it's upon that sad scene that the prophet provides this promise that we're looking at this morning. Notice he says, Thou will keep him in perfect 
peace. It's no wonder that, that Peter referred to God's promises as exceeding great and precious. And indeed they are. And again, I say in this wicked world, it just seems at least to a lot of folks that peace is absolutely impossible. We live in a world that is depraved, a world that is defiled, a world that is deceived, but not only deceived, a world that is deceptive, a world that's difficult, a world that is dangerous. That describes the world that we live in. And so when you think about peace, it, well, sometimes just seems like it's nothing more than a dream that it couldn't really be possible. And yet history bears out the fact that there are those who have found peace even in the worst of times. We could read about those in the last part of Hebrews chapter 11. Brother Kenneth referred to Hebrews 11 this morning in speaking about Abraham. And when you get down to the very end, he's telling us, have you ever considered these others that, that went through cruel suffering, those that went through great difficulty, those that were killed for the cause of Christ? And yet you read those glowing testimonies and you read in Fox's Book of Martyrs, of those that suffered horribly, and yet people in the midst of it all by their own testimony left the record that they found a peace in God that, well, passes all understanding. Now I want you to notice something about our text. He says that I will keep him in perfect peace. Notice the word perfect and the word peace. Because in the Hebrew language, those are exactly the same word. What he is saying literally is, Thou will keep him in peace, peace. Now, we don't understand that today. It seems like a, a blurb, a mistake or something. But it was the practice of the Hebrews, if they wanted to really emphasize something, uh, to make it an exclamation they would repeat the word. And that's the whole point here. He doesn't want us to miss what he's saying. So he says, Thou will keep him in peace, peace. Thank God for that. It is possible. The false prophets cried, What? Peace, peace. But there was no peace. And here the prophet Isaiah wants us to understand that real, true peace is found only in the Lord. Whether it seems impossible or not, God has put His amen upon it by the testimony of His saints. So we see the promise, but notice the people. The people that, of whom He speaks, He says, whose mind is stayed on Thee. The promise of peace isn't automatic. In other words, it's not something for everyone. It's not something that even every Christian uh, might possess. It's given to those whose mind is stayed on God. The Bible speaks a great deal about the mind as well as the heart. And when you read all of those verses, you come to the conclusion that most of the time the heart relates mainly to our beliefs. We talk about believing with all of our heart. But the mind relates to our battles. And as one writer many years ago said, battles are fought based on what we believe in our hearts. But the area 
they take place is in our minds. Our heartfelt beliefs are our weapons, but our minds are the battlefield. Now, we need to remember that. We need to remember it because that is exactly what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in regards to their mind and guarding their thoughts because just as Satan beguiled, seduced, corrupted Eve's mind, he does exactly the same thing to people in the world today. He does everything in his power to divert our attention away from God. And Remember, James warns us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's why Jesus warned us that we must be single-minded. If we're going to have peace, we have to keep our focus on Christ, as he said, whose mind is stayed on thee. We have to focus on Christ, not the, not the circumstances. Those who know me know that I repeatedly refer to Hebrews 12 in those first three verses, and especially verse 2 and 3. When I'm dead and gone, if they remember anything about me, I hope they'll remember that, that I, for some reason or another, it seemed like he just got that verse in every scripture. Well, I can't think of anything better to say than looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In verse 3 where he says, consider him. The, our greatest need is found in that as Christians, our greatest need is to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, to fix our focus on Him. That'll keep us from being troubled and keep us from being moved by the circumstances of life. And we can remain calm regardless of the conditions that we find ourselves in. And we see a picture of that whenever, well, we think about we think about an illustration that our Lord often used and gave us the visual of, of, a, of a storm at sea. But remember, while the storm is raging and the waves rise high, there's no disturbance down in the depths. In other words, all of the storm is on the surface. And even so, when our mind is stayed on the Lord, even when we are troubled by things that that ought to trouble us, there is a deep, settled peace, something beyond our understanding, deep within us, the storm raging all around us, and yet there's a peace in our heart that we can't explain. And that's why it's crucial that we do as Paul commanded the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So without a doubt, peace is possible, but then there's that one nagging question, how do we get it? We have to admit that according to God and His Word, that peace is possible. So, but how do we get it? How can we secure something that is so wonderful, something so glorious? Well, he gives us the answer here in our text. In these final five words of our text, notice the path to peace. He says, because he trusteth in thee. That's the answer. 
That's the solution for the pollution of our mind that robs us of our peace. Faith fixes its focus upon our Father. And those who, who trust Him keep their thoughts trained upon Him. That, that word trusteth there means to have confidence. It means a feeling of security. It means to, to be safe. And as one person said, it means to have no fear because of our security. And that's true. How could we be more secure than to be held in the firm hand of our faithful Father, knowing that He'll never fail us? God is faithful, but He's also all-powerful. That's why we can feel secure regardless of what's raging around us. And even if the very worst thing imaginable happens to us, we have again those exceeding great and precious promises, one of which says that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the called according to His purpose. Thank God His power is greater than our problems and His promises are sure. That's one reason why it's so very crucial that we be knowledgeable of God's Word. God's Word is the fuel, it's the food for our faith. Because our faith grows in direct proportion to how much we feed on the Word of God. If we're going to resist temptation, if we're going to endure hard trials, if we're going to be able to survive tribulation and overcome trouble and defeat our enemies if we're going to please God we must have faith because without faith we cannot please God so as you think about the enormous challenges that lie before you you think about all of the many needs that you and your loved ones have understand that God has given us a path to peace and that is to fix our focus upon him satan knows that if he can capture our mind he can control our behavior he can corrupt our lives and he can ruin us so the only safeguard we have is to walk by faith faith causes us to embrace god's promises to believe what god says and to act accordingly and again that's the only way that we can please him Trust in God produces peace that enables us to be calm during a time of calamity, to be content in our circumstances, to conquer over the crisis in our life. We, we can't always change or we can't always control what's going on around us, but we can always trust God to bring us through the difficulty. Now, I want you to notice just one more thing related to this matter of peace. And that's in verse number 4. And here we find that, that the Lord gives us this plea. It's as though God is pleading and begging with us. He says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The book of Isaiah has often been referred to as the fifth gospel. And uh, it gained that title because it's full of good news. Mingled with all of the bad stuff, we find the good news that God's not through with His people yet. 
One of the very best examples, I think, is found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a verse that we often refer to at Christmas time. But here we find Christ being called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I wish I had time to trace through that theme throughout all of the Word of God and it would show you that without a doubt, peace is possible. For those who trust in the Prince of Peace. Listen over in Isaiah 48, sometime later. And here God is continuing to plead with these same people. And he says in verse 18, Oh, that little one-letter word is so full of emotion. God speaking, God bearing his heart, God pouring out his soul as it were. And he says, oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Oh, listen, God has met his commandments and His promises and everything else in His Word for our good. Back to our text in verse 26. Notice the little word, because. Because He trusteth in thee. And God is saying there in chapter 48, Oh, if you only had trusted in me. Think about that word, because. The peace comes because. In other words, since. As a result of, for the reason that. You see, peace is not provided because of our IQ. It's not provided because of our level of education, nor our vocation, nor our income. It's not provided because of the great talent that we might possess. It's not even provided as a result of the good deeds and accomplishments that we do. Peace is promised only to those whose trust is in the Lord. Those other things might impress people, but it's faith that impresses God. It's faith that pleases God. So if you're lacking faith, you're going to be lacking in a lot of other things as well. It's not just a matter of living your life in doubt and, and hoping that everything's going to turn out all right. No. Without faith, you're going to miss out on all of the blessings that God has for you. That is the key to everything that God wants to do for you and through you. You know, we talk a lot about what we believe, and, and we should. What we believe is important. But what we believe is determined by who we believe. The Apostle Paul certainly got it right when he said, I know in whom I have believed. He knew what he believed, but he says, I know in whom I have believed. He had that settled in his heart, that his trust was in the Lord, where ours ought to be. And as you look around at the circumstances of life and the difficulties you faced this morning, I want you to understand that peace really is possible for all of those whose trust is in the Lord. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, there is no path to peace. There is no hope.
for you other than through the Lord Jesus Christ. And by putting your trust in Him, you can become an heir of all of the great promises that God has given. And it's our prayer that you'll do just that this morning. If we can ever be of any help, please contact us here at the church. But listen, you don't need you don't need me. You don't need someone else. All you need is the Lord. And if you'll simply do as the Bible commands, and that is to believe with all of your heart, then you have God's promise that He'll save your soul. And in the saving of your soul, you become a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ and peace will be possible regardless of the problems you face. I pray that it might be so for you this morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, again, we come to you. Lord, realizing that we are undeserving of even the least of your blessings, but knowing that because of Jesus that you made it possible that we could come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. And Lord, we realize that with every person here this morning, every person listening to the broadcast, that there are needs in their life that only you can meet. And I pray that you'll help us to trust you for each and every one of those things. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be willing to accept those difficult things that we can't begin to comprehend, things that, that seem to make no sense to us. May we just trust you to use all of them to work together for good and to bring glory unto our dear Savior. For we pray in His name. Amen.